Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning again, all of you. You've been welcomed so many times already, but I feel it would be remiss if I don't say welcome as well. If you're visiting, thanks for coming. It is great to see you here. And uh, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and it's a great uh, pleasure of mine to, as Joe said, close out our Christmas series that we're calling Do You See What I See? And this Christmas series is birthed... um, and, and sort of hinged to this narrative that we've been telling every week. We've got this imagined story um, that goes something like this. Just pay attention and try to go with me in your mind's eye into this story. Picture a husband who's shopping for um, something in the middle of summer. We don't know when exactly, but he, he's out just shopping, doing something, and he sees something in a store that he thinks his wife would want for Christmas, something that she wants and or maybe even needs. And he goes ahead and he buys this for his wife, takes it home, and then proceeds to hide it around the house for the next few months, right? So she can't find it. Because it's a great gift. It's a, it's a gift worthy of Christmas. It's a Christmas gift that he wants to give her, but it's not Christmas yet. So he holds the gift and hides it from her for a while. And then about the right time, the Christmas decorations start going up around the house. He gets the gift and he begins to um, prepare it for presentation. He wraps the gift, basically, is what we're saying. And then he takes that gift and um, on the day of Christmas morning, he decides to give it to her. And this is where we're at today. He's presenting the gift to her, and she takes it with outstretched arms, so to speak, and then places said gift on her lap. And we could celebrate, yay, Operation Christmas gift was a success. Yes? No. (laughs) I snookered you there, sorry. Um, No, it's not a success yet. Why? Why? She hasn't opened the gift. Thank you. Yes, we have to open the gift Hear me when I say this. This will be important for us as we move forward this morning. But a gift is not fully received until it has been unwrapped. Like all the time that went into purchasing the gift, hiding the gift, and planning and preparing, all of that stuff is for naught if the person that we give the gift to doesn't in fact open the gift. Now make no mistake, the gift that we are pointing to this Christmas season is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We're not trying to do a church head fake on you. (laughs) He's the gift. In fact, if you read the Bible at all um, or even watch football games, you'll see the most popular Bible verse ever. John chapter three, verse 16. It just simply says this, that God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his son, Jesus. Hear me. Jesus is the gift. And so we're working our way through the birth story of Jesus so that through the framework of that sort of imagined narrative of a husband and a wife, so that we can experience for the first time, maybe for some of us, experience for the first time why this matters to us. Why does Jesus coming to earth, why, why a baby born to a virgin, uh, placed in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, why does that matter to us? And so we experience that for the first time. Maybe for some of us, we'll just re-experience all of that again. 
But ultimately, I pray that today will at least answer the question that I suspect many of you have been carrying for some time. It's the question that I carry. I'm a questioner by nature. I question everything. Really, Matt? Sitting right there today? Why would you sit right there today? (laughs) See what I mean? I just do it naturally. But the question is this. So what? So a baby was born. Tradition tells us born of a virgin. So what? Why does that matter? Do you wrestle with that? Like as we gather the Christmas decorations from dusty attics and basements and crawl spaces and we put them up on the trees and on the house, who puts uh, lights on your house still? Anyone? That's like a lost art. Who, okay, real story. Who pays people to put lights up on their house nowadays? <laughs> Right, that's a real thing too, but like, like, and we and we enter into debates as to whether or not you could actually sing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving, or right, you have to wait, like all of this stuff, and whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, yes or no? The answer is yes. If that was a question that needed answered today, the answer is yes. But beyond all of that, when we point to the baby born in a manger that we set out on our library tables, the little bitty nativity scene, and there's that little bitty figurine of a baby wrapped in cloth. What does this matter? What's the point of all of that? And so today we look at the story again. We looked at the story of a gift given by God to humanity. And just like the gift that was hidden by the husband before he gave it to the wife, Jesus was hidden for a while too. Week one of our Christmas series, we talked about the gift That was hidden. Jesus, if you know the story, was promised to come and save the world. Way back in the beginning of our Bibles, in Genesis chapter 3, when God had created everything and placed Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, first family, in his perfect garden, his perfect creation, with the one rule to follow, don't eat of this one tree. And all that's to say that Adam and Eve were tempted by someone to disobey God, sin entered into the world, and the relationship that God had with his perfect creation was broken Sin enters into the world, and because of sin, now death, and and God has banished his people from his presence. The world feels the the curse of this thing that's happened, too. And before all of this is finished transpiring, God promises to send a savior, a person, the son, the seed of a woman, the offspring of a woman who will save the world. This person is Jesus. But for hundreds and thousands of years, Jesus, the Savior, the gift that will be given, was hidden from the world. Why? I think, and there are many reasons why God hid Jesus for so long until he was finally revealed, but a couple of them we talked about in week number one. Number one is this, is that we as people had to realize that we cannot help ourselves. Say it with me now. You cannot help yourself. And, 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 and God allowing humanity, the world, to, to try and error for decades and centuries and millennia to try every political persuasion, every social construct, to try everything imaginable under the sun to fix themselves, it, themselves, it would never work. Jesus is the Savior. And after him being hidden for all those years, we finally come to the place where we realize that now. Hear, hear me, if you haven't realized that yet, that's what the Lord is saying to you today. You cannot save yourself. We also learned that God is not just a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. And even though he kept Jesus hidden for a number of years, thousands in fact, the promise was still true. 
And so when the perfect time came, Galatians 4.4 says, God sent forth his son, Jesus, into the world. And so he came. So he was hidden for a while. We learned that we can't save ourselves and that God is a promise keeper. That was week number one. Week number two was this, the gift wrapped. Now Jesus as the gift comes to earth. But hear me, Jesus has existed before he came to earth. Say amen. Uh, I believe you. So, but yes, he was wrapped. Uh, uh, John tells us this, that Jesus put on flesh and dwelt among us. He was wrapped in flesh and bone. That he came and he, he lived a life like you and I live, had emotions like you and I have, felt the pain of heartache and anxiety and stress and felt joy and jubilee, ate good food, had good conversations. And Jesus came and dwelt among us, and he was wrapped in flesh and in blood. Um, and then this week, we talk about the gift being unwrapped now. You see where we're headed with the story. So yeah, Jesus, hidden, now wrapped, and has now been presented to the world and is going to be unwrapped. Again, as I said before, you cannot fully receive a gift until it has been unwrapped. Do you agree with me? I hope so. That's my thrust today, is to get you to see this story the way I see it. So anyways, week three, we talk about the gift being unwrapped. But the question is, when, t- when we receive gifts oftentimes is, is what I- I- is the gift? So now imagine with me, it's Christmas morning in a week or so, and somebody hands you a gift and you do the thing, right? You rattle it or you sniff it, which is strange, just so you know. But you, you do all the thing, you try to figure out what it is, and you say things like this out loud. You're like, well, I wonder what this is. I wonder what it is. Right? But internally, you're saying, I hope I like it. <laughs> like, oh God, like I could tell this is a sweater. Oh, I hope it, like, I hope it fits. <laughs> or, or, or better yet, I hope it's my style. Right? You guys have style, right? Okay. And, uh, <laughs> but you're like, you want it, like, that's all. I'm telling you, an entire industry called gift cards was built around this anxiety that the gift giver and the gift receiver have, which is like, screw this, here's a piece of plastic. <laughs> Go get yourself something nice. <laughs> we don't even want to get into the tension, but we have to, we sit there and we wonder what it is. And so we begin to peel back the paper a little bit. And you catch a glimpse of the, the box maybe. And you're like, oh, this might be that, that um, cordless uh, impact drill that I've desperately wanted or, or, or whatever, right? Hint, 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 right? <laughs> or, or whatever it is. And you begin to peel it back and you begin to see something. And in that excitement, now you just a little more veracity. You're tearing into the rest of the paper and you finally have the thing uh, opened and exposed. And then, and, and then even that's not enough yet because we then have to play out in our minds, how does this thing, this gift that's been given to us, how does it help? me? How does it impact my life? What does it mean to me? Is this the, the last piece of art that I've been waiting for to put in the bedroom to call the bedroom decoration done? Right? Is this the cordless impact drill, hint, hint, that is going to help me finish that project I wanted to do this summer? Right? Is this, is this the candle that's going to make my house, house smell like fresh baked cookies without having to fresh bake cookies? <laughs> right? The gift has to mean something to us. We have to, this is the wrong word, I know it. I know this is the wrong word. I just can't think of another one. But how do we apply the gift? How does it impact us? How how does it change our lives now? Because ultimately, that's what the gift is supposed to do. It's supposed to change your life in some way. That's why the person bought it and thought you needed it and gave it to you. So... We open the gift and we see that first glimpse. And that's what I want to talk about from Scripture now. 
you're welcome, right? I want to read some passages out of the Bible where Jesus, the gift given, wrapped now, is beginning to be unwrapped. And by that, I mean this. He's beginning to be revealed for who he truly is. So if you have a Bible with you, I want to read in John's gospel, John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 29 through 39. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. There is um, verses behind me on the screen. But know this, this particular passage is a little long, and it's going to raise a lot of questions. And I'm just saying, hold the questions till the end. Joe's going to come up and answer all the questions (laughs) at the end. But Jesus, the gift given, is beginning to be unwrapped. There's a man named John, not the author of the book of John, but another John. And he's called John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. You might have heard of him, but he had this interesting ministry back in Jesus' day. He would go out into the wilderness by the the Jordan River and he would baptize people. In fact, John the Baptist baptized Jesus one day. And the events that we read now take place after Jesus had just been baptized. Starting here in verse 29, it says, The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said these words, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. And there's all kinds of things in that that we don't, we don't have time to discuss today. He says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be what? Unwrapped, what? No, revealed to all of Israel. He's been presented, but he's not fully understood. It's like a gift that needs to be unwrapped. He has to be revealed and revealed and continually revealed to, so we know, so God's people know who he is. Verse 32. And so, and John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. This is when he baptized him. Verse 33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize, who was God, Right? He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's a ministry that Jesus has later on in life. And he says, verse 34, And I have seen and I have borne witness that this man, that man is the Son of God. He is the one. Keep reading, verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his own disciples, apprentices, if you will, students. John had some students. And he looked and he saw Jesus walking by again on a familiar path, I'm certain. And he says those words, same words again, behold, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him and say say this, and they followed after Jesus. (laughs) Jesus turned around and says, what? He says, what is happening? He says, why are you following me? And they said to him, Sorry, I skipped. Sorry. Where am I at? Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? There you go. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and find out. John the baptizer is revealing who Jesus is. He says language, behold the lamb of God. Now, Jewish people would have understood this idea. Lambs were oftentimes used for sacrifice. And sacrifice was a, a, a sort of an institution that was set up by God to help people atone for their sin. Did I mention that mankind has tried every conceivable option to deal with their sin issues? And the sacrificial system is something that they have tried to use to atone for their sin for centuries. It just never works. But they're familiar with this language. They would bring a lamb to the temple before the priest and they would offer it as a sacrifice and their sin would be atoned for. 
But hear me when I say this, but it was always their lamb. They bought it. They raised it. They brought it with them. And all of a sudden, when Jesus walks by, John uses language that says, behold, look, there's the lamb of God. Now, hang on a second, bro. God's bringing a lamb to the sacrifice now. What, what does this, in fact, mean to us? We've always brought our own lambs, and now God's bringing a lamb? Can you see how this is making the wheels spin in their minds so much that two of the guys that were following John said, deuces, and started following this guy because they want to know more about him. In fact, they asked the question, strange as it is, where are you staying? Like at the Ramada? Are you the Hilton? And Jesus gives them the invitation that he gives, hear me when I say this, everyone in this room, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come and follow me? Do you want to know more about who Jesus is? Come and follow him. You want to understand how the gift of Jesus can impact your life in a more profound and greater way? Come and follow him. And he was revealed. Here's the lamb from God. But a piece of the wrap, wrapping paper has been removed and more has to be done. Now fast forward for a moment. I'm booking now because I'm running out of time. Um, oh my gosh, Joe, help me. <laughs> I got a lots to say. Um, fast forward from this story. John, the baptizer, now finds himself in prison. It's a long story, but Herod the king doesn't care for him. Soon John's going to be beheaded. And while John is in prison, he hears of more things Jesus is doing and sends a couple of his disciples back to Jesus to ask him this question. Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Isn't this strange? John's already said, look, there goes the Lamb of God. Look, this is the one who the, the Spirit descended upon. And God told me the one who the Spirit descends upon is going to be my son. This is the one. But now John finds himself in this precarious situation in prison, soon to lose his life. And now he begins to question, is Jesus really the one? I mean, how many of us would admit that Jesus was real appealing in our life for a season. And then life just chewed on you for a little bit. We call it, oh, I don't know, COVID-19 <laughs> or a pandemic, or we call it whatever we want. And now all of a sudden we begin to wonder, is Jesus really the one? Can he really do what he said he's going to do? So John sends a couple of his disciples back to Jesus and asks him, was I wrong? Was it all emotion? Was I just swept up in the moment? Or are you really the one? <clears throat> Jesus answers this question, Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. Jesus answered them, go and tell John this. Tell him what you hear and what you see. Tell him what you hear me say and what I, I do. Verse 5, he says, the blind received their sight. And the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news, preach to them. What a strange answer to a real pointed question. Are you the one or aren't you? 
Well, the blind can see now. The people who are dead are alive now. The people who were lame now walk. Dead ears are open now. What we're learning is that John actually had turned Jesus or his desire for Jesus to be something that Jesus never intended to be. John had an idea, like most of the other Jewish people of his day, that this Messiah, this Christ, this Jesus Savior was going to come in and disrupt this political system and establish God's kingdom through political means, probably through a battle of some sort. And Jesus wasn't carrying a sword, but he was establishing God's kingdom, but he was doing it a different way. Your Jesus, sometimes not the Jesus, this sounds so weird, that Jesus needs to be for you. <laughs> You're looking for a Jesus to do something that Jesus is not going to do for you. Jesus comes to open blind eyes so they can see, deaf ears so they can hear, lame people can walk again, and the dead can be raised. If all Jesus is for you, if all he is is just to, to settle your anxiety for a moment, if all he is is to help you find that special someone, oh God, please let me find that special. If, if all God is, if all we're going, to, we're going to use Jesus for is something like that, hear me when I say this, you're always going to have those questions. Is this the real one or not? Are you the real one? Jesus is coming to do something different. But all, all that to point to this reality is that Jesus is being revealed again here. John knew. He thought he knew, and then he didn't know. And so Jesus pulls back more paper. The metaphor breaks down, but you understand what I'm saying here? Right? The gift is continuing to be unwrapped. And, and revelation after revelation, more and more of who Jesus is, is being revealed to the people until ultimately, after three or four years, Jesus um, finds himself arrested for a crime that he didn't commit, and he's going to be nailed to a cross. I'm fast forwarding a lot of Jesus' life. Bear with me here. But Jesus is accused of a crime. Again, he didn't commit. And by Roman soldiers, he's fastened to a cross. This is an execution device. They're, they're killing Jesus. And Jesus, John chapter 19, verse 28 and 30, says that Jesus was hanging on the cross, said these words to fulfill scripture, verse 28, I thirst. Jesus is thirsty. Verse 29, there was a jar of, full of sour wine that stood there. And so they, whoever they are, maybe the centurion soldiers, took a sponge full of it and put it on a branch and lifted it up to Jesus' mouth. In verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said these words, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. We flip a few pages back into Matthew chapter I don't know, the Matthew's recording of that gospel, it says this, that then the centurion, after Jesus died, the centurion, the non-religious, non-Jewish Roman soldier said these words, after Jesus died, surely this was the son of God. God is revealing his son Jesus to his people, even up to the cross, up to and including the cross. Here is how God, who is going, to, is going to save the world, he's going to offer up his son as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. You and I, we don't have to bear the punishment of our sins because Jesus took that punishment upon himself. We exchanged our life for his or his life for ours, however you want to see it. But that is the gift given to all of humanity, that those would believe in him and have trust in that truth 
that reality that we might gain eternal life. Jesus has been revealed to his people and it began in his birth when the shepherds out in the field heard the angels singing. Hark the herald angels sing, we sing. And it became more so when Jesus was found in the temple in his young age. And again, as he led people to perform, perform miracle after miracle after miracle, he was revealing himself that he is the one to save the world. And it all came down to this moment. There is no political system or social construct that's going to save the world. It is me, Jesus says. And to stretch the metaphor even further, it is Jesus Christ himself unwrapped fully naked on a cross as he bears the weight of every sin the world would ever commit, and God placed it upon him, and Jesus breathed his last. The promise from Genesis chapter three has been fulfilled. That there's going to be one who will come and destroy the works of the devil. Boo. Will overcome death and sin and the grave, and he'll reestablish relationship between God and his people, and he does so through what? Through his son. Jesus is fully unwrapped, and he stands before you now. So, what about the question? So what? So what? The gift sitting on your lap, it's unwrapped now. What are you going to do with it? That's the question. That's what we move to next. How do we deal with this now? How do we handle what's happened? Why do we, what do we have to do with the cross that Jesus, or the death of Jesus on the cross, and what do we do next? How do we use the gift that has been given? I'm asking you these questions. Do you see the gift of Jesus and how it can be used in your life? Do you see how the gift of Jesus can save you? Do you see how the gift of Jesus can bring peace? Do you see how the gift of Jesus can bring hope? These are the questions that we should be wrestling with. And it's hard to answer these questions. I know. Sometimes it's found in, in just changing the, the direction of our gaze where we find ourselves focused in our life. Isaiah is a prophet. He's a man who spoke words of God. He lived some 700 years before Jesus was born in a manger. So 700 years, again, while Jesus was still hidden, the gift was still hidden away, before he came in the flesh, Isaiah said these words about what God was going to do through his son Jesus in Isaiah 45, verse 22. I'll put the words behind me here. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But he says, let all of the world look to me for salvation. This is God speaking through Isaiah. For I am God and there is no other. Let all the world look to who? To me, he says. Look to what I'm doing and what I'm going to do through Jesus. The hiccup for you and I oftentimes is we don't want to do that. We oftentimes want to look at what we do. And we, we have this sort of perverted, distorted understanding of a relationship with God that's built upon the things that we do and sometimes don't do. We have, oftentimes treat scripture as if it's just God's rule book, the thou shalts and thou shalt nots and all of this. And we feel like if we're doing all the good things, reading your Bible, raise your hands if you read your Bible this week. No shame. It's all right. Liars, all of you, right? It's okay, right? Or maybe we did, maybe we didn't. I don't know. You worship, you listen to Christian music, you did your thing, you gave a couple bucks to that guy who sits outside the place, right on the street corner. 
You know who I'm talking about? The guy who sits on the street corner? You see him, right? Have you seen how bad he looks now? For three years, he's been sitting there and he's getting worse and worse. Do you see him? I digress. <laughs> we get so focused on the things that we do and what we don't do, and we somehow think that our relationship with God is, is settled in those things. But God is saying something completely different. He says, no, 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 don't look at those things. Look to me who can save. When, when John the baptizer sees Jesus walking by, the words he uses is, behold the Lamb of God. It's the same word that's translated look. L look at him. Look at him. Look what, look what he's doing and has done. Uh, all right. Joe, I was this close to not sharing this story. But I have to share it. Oh my God, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> with, um, with humility and sorrow, I share these words. <laughs> trying to cloud the details so you don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. But just know this, a couple weeks ago, I had done something said some words that I wished I didn't say, did some things I wished I didn't do. Is that, are you guys, are we, you understand what I'm trying to say? So much in fact that this morning when I awoke at 5 a.m., I was struck with such panic and anxiety that I didn't think I could come up here and preach today. Because who am I to stand up here and tell you about how good Jesus is when I'm a buffoon? in my own life. And so, and I'm not overselling this. Through panic attacks and anxiety in my office this morning, I'm typing up my final notes, intending to give them to Joe so Joe can get up and preach today. Because I have no business preaching this message today. And I start to write my conclusion, and Isaiah 45:22 kicks me in the chin. <laughs> and it says, Jeff, look to me, because I'm the one who's saving the world. Stop looking at yourself. You're always going to fail, right? You're going to set some ex expectation that you're not going to be able to attain. That's just who you are as a person, Jeff. But if you stopped basing your relationship on the things you do and don't do and instead would look to me and what I've done through Jesus Christ, you'll be liberated from this. Oh, yeah. Amen. Right. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not overselling this at all. I'm I'm praying these words in my office and and it just lifted from me. I'm standing here today because God did a cool thing in my office about three and a half hours ago. And then I chased it down with an egg burrito. I'm just saying, <laughs> it was like, you know how when you're anxious, like your belly's all knotted up and like all that, and you can't eat? God let me eat egg burrito this morning. 
<laughs> Someone said amen to egg burrito. All right, you're visiting and you're probably thinking, okay, cool band, right? The church looks great. That dude's unhinged up on us. 100%, 100% there's something wrong with him. That's right. And I, I get what you're saying. I think it often in the mirror myself. All that to say is the gift of Jesus is forever being unwrapped before me. Like I continually go back to the cross and I think of all he's done. Like it's not a one and done. Like there's no graduation date. You don't just get the star and move on, put the lapel on your sash and go, yay, next. We're constantly learning these things as God is revealing himself to us and how much he loves us and cares for us and wants to free us. Do you see it? I love what TJ did with that song. Do you see it? Do you see what we see? Do you see what I see? I'm out of time. And yet, I feel like I could go on for another 20 minutes. Here's what, here's what I'd like to do. Um, here's an idea in the church. Let's pray, shall we? What if we prayed that God would do this thing for all of us that he did for me but a few hours ago over there? Because I suspect I'm not the only one who's carrying a little bit of rut row in with us this morning. I'm not the only one who questions their motives and their actions. So I'm going to pray. And when I pray, maybe the words that I'll say will just resonate with you. And I'm not going to ask anyone to raise a hand or anything. But I'll ask questions. If this is you, if this is you, if this is you, you don't have to raise a hand. It doesn't, I don't care. But if it's you, just own it. Just own it, bro. Just own it. And look to Jesus. Just look to him. Be free from everything. Oh, this Christmas, God has given you more than just merriment and joy. He has given salvation to the world. And he's given it to you. Lord, we pray before you. We come standing before you, not on our own merits or our own ability, but through the work of your son, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, come to save the world. We come to you knowing that you listen to us because of what Jesus has done, but we are standing before you a broken people. Many of us feeling sorrow and regret, looking to fix our lives through our own works, and Lord, we're bankrupt to help. We can't do anything, so God, we need your help. God, I confess that I failed you. I confess that I said wrong things. I thought wrong thoughts. But God, you still... You still save me. 
that Jesus means more to me now than he did four hours ago because of what he's done. So God, we want to receive the gift that is Jesus Christ today. We want to receive Jesus, the Savior of the world. God, we are, we are broken people without your help, and we need your help. I'd like to do this if I could. I'd like to just now make this prayer in the first person. And um, maybe if the words that I say resonate with you, you can just say them in, inside your head or in your heart, however you want to think of it, and just, just receive Jesus today. God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wreck. I'm, a, I'm a, a sinner that's needing saved. And God, I look to you now for Jesus. And I'm asking Jesus to come into my life. That Jeff just said that, that Jesus would baptize people with the Holy Spirit, which means he would give the Holy Spirit to people. And that your spirit, God, would dwell inside of us now. So I'm asking God, would you please make me new and dwell inside of me? Would you please make my heart your home? Would you please... Come and help. God, I don't want to go through this life without you. I've tried everything imaginable to do this on my own, and I'm, I'm tired of it, Lord. I'm tired of it, Lord. Too often I've thought of quitting my own life, Lord, and I need you to come in and fix that. I don't want to quit, God. I want you to help me. I want you to save me. And I want you to do it through your son, Jesus. I don't want to try harder anymore. I believe you now, God. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that. And I, I trust him. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.